really, the more I teach this, the more I see how brilliantly it is set up to prepare the students for increasing sophistication, but in a gradual, natural way. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Andrew, it's time to turn the page to a new unit. Yes. So today we're going to talk about? Unit three. Which is? Well, retelling narrative stories, of course. That's right. So lots of history behind this unit. You want to share briefly what some of the history is? Well, yeah. You know, it was interesting because um, Dr. Webster, before he was Dr. Webster, Mm -hmm. was Mr. Webster teaching um, grade five in Vancouver and... uh, in those days, there were certain things that were very well set in terms of curriculum and what teachers should do. And one of those things was how to write science experiment write-ups. Right. Right. So I remember that. You you have um, one section of your paper is, is for the materials and, and your setup and your hypothesis. And then the next one is for your procedures. And then the end is the outcome of your experiment and your conclusions conclusions about that. And uh, he noticed that all his kids did very well with that because there was this structure to the writing. And so nobody had the problem, I don't know what to write about. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't anything similar for story writing. It was kind of, you know, even in those days, which would have been, gosh, the... 50s, I guess, <laughs> were pretty loose uh, as they are today. Mm-hmm. It's a story, whatever you want to do. And uh, many of the kids kind of floundered on that. So he was over visiting his aunt, Mrs. Anna Ingham, founder of the Blended Soundsite Program of Learning, uh, for a Thanksgiving meal. And she had a little pile of student papers on her coffee table there. And these were grade one and two students. And so he picked them up and started reading through them. And he quickly realized that her little grade one, two kids were writing stories that were better than most of the stories that his grade five students were producing, Mm -hmm. which of course might. Well, today we are talking about unit nine. And I think back to the very first time that I sat in on the teaching, writing structure and style and it was the end of the second day, mm-hmm. and we pretty much had 15 minutes left. Right. And you said, all right, here's Unit 9. It's super easy. Just do Unit 3 and an intro and conclusion. And any questions? And have a good day. <laughs> well, you know, at that time in a two-day seminar, yeah, everyone's more than full. Mm-hmm. So what's the point of over-explaining something? Mm-hmm. Um, I also say, you know, if you get there, if you make it through right. all the eight units prior to unit nine, you'll know what to do. It's it's not 
terribly difficult or anything. But uh, it has been interesting for me, you know, especially over the past couple years because I've been teaching a group of kids and uh, getting more hands-on experience with Unit 9 than really I I had for many, many years. Sure, yeah. So to our listeners who may not have taken the dive into the teaching, writing, structure, and style teacher training course and are maybe not familiar with Unit 9 and its goals, why don't you just give us a really brief overview of what it is? Well, it's called a critique, Mm -hmm. and that, of course, implies that you're going to make some hopefully intelligent criticism. That thinking again. It, It would probably replace a book report. I have not yet met anyone for whom the term book report has a positive connotation. Right. I despised book reports mm-hmm. as a kid. In the back of my mind, I have a suspicion that the reason teachers made you do book reports is to prove that you read the book because they otherwise wouldn't trust you right. or couldn't test you or I don't know. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, writing about a whole book is one of the most difficult tasks there is Mm -hmm. because the funnel is so wide. Mm -hmm. If you think about our unit one and two, it's kind of just straight down. There's not much filtering or limiting required. You're Mm -hmm. taking keywords from every sentence. You write it out. Unit three, a little tougher. The story is probably longer than the one you end with. So you have to filter more. Unit four, you have too many facts. That's part of the whole goal of unit four is to figure out you know, what is interesting, important, relevant, etc. And letting the kids make those choices. And letting the kids make those choices. And then, you know, it kind of gets worse. Unit six, things are, there's more information. There's too many sources with too many facts. Unit eight, depending on how you handle that, Mm -hmm. kids may be doing research. But when you get to unit nine and say, here is a whole book and write a couple pages, write five paragraphs, right. you know, that that's just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So we suggest, number one, strike the idea of book report and replace it with critique. Just don't do a book report. Just don't do a book Until report. Until April or May. Don't do it at all. Okay. <laughs> just strike the idea. Got it. And replace the idea mm-hmm. with critique. Mm-hmm. But, well, that sounds more romantic, doesn't it? I mean, it has appeal. You get, you get to criticize. Kids love to criticize, right? But, of course, you have to teach them what does that word really mean. It doesn't mean complain, right? right. Although sometimes you do. <laughs> <laughs> Depending um, on the story, yes. So, so strike that idea of book report, replace it with critique, and don't start with a whole book. Mm-hmm. Start with a short story. Mm-hmm. Then may, move to maybe a longer story. Then move to maybe a movie then move to maybe a short book. I mean, depending how much time you have and how many assignments in Unit 9 you can accomplish. Well, and I love our system in that you're going to cycle through Unit 9 two or three times over the course of their academic life. Yeah, sure. You're you're going to you know, maybe do two or three, mm-hmm. four, I suppose, if mm-hmm. you're super organized and ambitious mm-hmm. um, before the end of the school year where you most people take a little break in schools, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then you start back with Unit 1 and 2 in the fall mm-hmm. and work up to Unit 9 again. So, yes, if you uh, do three, four years of structure and style or more, some people do it five or six years. And yep. Then you have ample opportunity to revisit each model and refine it, understand it better, internalize it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with Unit 9, like, like anything, the first time you do it, it might be a little clunky. 
you know, you might not uh, feel like that was exactly the kind of product you want to hang on the wall and say, oh, isn't that great? But remember, right, it's all process. It's about process. Okay, so what is the model? Well, the basic critique model is uh, five paragraphs. Okay. So that's familiar to the students. They have been doing that certainly in Unit 8, many of them since Unit 7. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a comfortable level. We change the nature of the introduction, the conclusion from Unit 8 to be a little different. Okay. And then the body, the three middle paragraphs, are essentially the Unit 3 elements. Okay. So if you remember back to Unit 3, mm-hmm. uh, characters and setting, um, conflict or problem, and then climax resolution. Right. So those three parts of the story sequence chart now become the body for the critique. But it's a little different in that as you as you teach through Unit 3, you encourage the kids to do elaborations or variations. This one? Right. Unit no? 3, you're, you're retelling stories. Mm-hmm. So you can change stuff up, especially if it's a, a fable, myth, fairy tale, parable, something like that. In the critique, you are not really telling a story so much as you are telling about the story. Right. So you're telling about the characters and setting. You're explaining what the conflict or problem was in the action. Uh, then you're telling what was the moment of, of the turning point, the climax, and, and the resolution. So you, you wouldn't be changing things. Okay. Now with the introduction here, instead of you know state three topics or have a thesis, instead we're introducing the piece introducing the story or the movie or the book. Mm -hmm. And so we would follow uh, the same idea of try to have an attention getter. Kids usually getting pretty good at this by now because they've had three, four, five or more assignments uh, where they are using some type of device, a Mm -hmm. quotation, a question, a shocking fact, a little uh, picture, uh, three very short sentences, one of the decorations, whatever. Uh, And then giving the background information that's similar, but what is the background information? Well, it would be uh, the type of story, um, you know, when and where it was published, what's the audience for the story, uh, who's the author, if known. Is there some biographical interesting information about the author that can mm-hmm. be included uh, so that the reader uh, would have a sense of, okay, now I know where this thing came from. Right. So you wouldn't, in the introduction, state the topics because... There are no topics. There are no topics. Yeah. And this is one thing, uh, my my recent class, when I introduced the critique model, I said, you've got some good news, mm-hmm. no topic clinchers. And there were some smiles and yes. tears in the room. So it's a little bit of a break from that thing they've been working on so assiduously mm-hmm. for, gosh, over half the year, you know, right. from unit four on. Mm-hmm. So uh, it wouldn't be a problem if someone did do topic lynchers in the critique, but it's not part of the requirement Mm -hmm. in terms of the model. And then, of course, the conclusion, that's the most important part of the whole critique. All right. And why is it the most important part? Well, because that's where the writer is wanting to say what do they think about that story, Okay. about that movie, book, article, whatever. Uh, and, and that's kind of a tough one because, you know, how do you think about it? I'm sure that most parents have had the experience of, you know, 
reading something or going to mostly going to a movie, you come out of the movie. So what do you think? It's good. Right. Why was it good? <laughs> I don't know. It was just good. Right. You know, did you like it? Yeah, I liked it. Why? I just liked it, you know. Right. So how do you get past that level of response into something a little more analytical, a little more mature, a little more objective? Yes. How do you do that? So that's the goal. Right. Uh, so the first thing you would you would probably say is, okay, so what did you like in this story? What did you like or dislike and why? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can get that going a little bit. Mm -hmm. I like this character because he was brave. Mm -hmm. I didn't like that character because he lied. I liked the way the author gave a good description to paint the picture Mm -hmm. um, because it helps my imagination or Mm -hmm. I like the surprise ending, right? So things like that, if you can start to pinpoint them, then they can be content for Mm -hmm. the conclusion. Right. So first thing would be, what did you like or dislike and why? Mm-hmm. But I know there's a rule with Unit 9. Right. And so in order to try to force that objectivity, we make the rule of you can't say I. <laughs> so everything you just said for the last two minutes can't use it. You, right. Well, no. You you would say, what do you like or dislike and why? Only you don't say, I liked. Mm-hmm. You would say, This character showed bravery, which is inspiring to the reader Good, or something like that. So you have to move out of, I think, I feel, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. and and get the idea of just saying what you think or feel, what's your opinion, um, without qualifying it. Mm -hmm. And that is sometimes tough for young children because they will tend to write like they think and they think – with the help of saying, I think, I believe, you know, I feel, I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, showing some examples of how to do that and then just making that rule. You know, it's kind of like a banned words rule. Well, if you can't use that word, you got to figure out some other way to say what you're trying to say. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and that, that forces a little bit of maturity. With uh, students who are fairly well-versed in the syllabus of stylistic techniques, they will know about dress-ups, openers, maybe even decorations, Mm -hmm. devices like that. And so they could comment on the author's use. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. And so they could say, you know, the author, whatever the name is, um, used many, you know, quality adjectives to enhance Mm -hmm. the reader's experience Mm -hmm. of the setting. And I, I I find that students who have just learned perhaps a technique like simile or metaphor, wow, they just pop out of the yeah, story. Yeah, that that pops out because it's it's in the front of their mind, and mm-hmm. so they'll they'll notice and go, oh, that was that was that technique, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then they can comment on that. Mm-hmm. And then you know, some stories have a a moral, a message, some kind of lesson, some kind of value that's fairly easy to identify. Um, other stories, it's a little bit hard to say, okay, what is this, you know, what is this author trying to do here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is it purely for entertainment or is there some type of wisdom to be gleaned? So that goes in the conclusion as And well. that would go in the conclusion. So you kind of get these levels of objectivity. You move with what's easiest, what I like, mm-hmm. didn't, didn't like, 
to what was the author doing with the words and then what was the author doing with the story. And if you can fit, you know, three, four, five statements pertaining to those questions uh, into the conclusion, you'll end up with something pretty decent. Right. I know we have a tool that you pass out to students in your classes. I don't know if you use it for the younger ones, but it's our critique the source. Yeah, and it's in the uh, in the teaching writing instruction style book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's also in the student resource student resource packet. Packet yes. student mm-hmm. resource packet, and it is uh, be- it has a lot of words pertaining to the different elements of a story. Mm-hmm. So one of the frustrations that I think all of us have is kids will you know, right, this was a very interesting story because all the characters were very interesting (laughs) and the plot was also very interesting and the surprise ending was amazingly interesting. (laughs) Why is a child doing that? Mm -hmm. Well, it's because they don't have any other words. Mm -hmm. In fact, it it was in teaching the critique many, many years ago that I had this insight that has guided a lot of of what I've been thinking and teaching, what we've done at IEW, that it's it's difficult, if not impossible, for a child to think a thought he doesn't have the words to think it in. Mm -hmm. You can have an abstract thought, an image, a memory, but to make that concrete, and especially in the world of speaking and writing, that thought to be transferable must have words. And so the ability to think a thought in a concrete, transferable, communicable way is limited to the vocabulary one has. Limited to the vocabulary that they have at the ready. Exactly. Because they might have access to Google, you know, OK Google or right. hey Siri, but, but it's not right there for them to use. Yeah. And, and who's going to stop, you know, and try to find a word. <laughs> I mean, some people do, but usually the people who are interested in finding more words are the ones who know more words because right. they have a richer vocabulary. Right, right. Uh, so, of course, you know, so much of what we do is about vocabulary development right. from, um, you know, the cards in the history-based writing lessons to, um, of course, the poetry memorization, uh, you know, our whole emphasis with the band words list and the stylistic techniques. So this is just one more tool Mm -hmm. to open up the vocabulary uh, specifically for the purpose of being able to comment or analyze to some degree the literary elements of a story. Right. So it's a very handy list. And I think in the TWSS, I tell the story of of my own daughter, my oldest daughter, who um, wanted to go see this movie a second time. Mm-hmm. And she's just begging me, can we go see this movie again? And I thought, well, i got to get some mileage here, some <laughs> bang for my bucks. So I said, well, if you'll write me a critique of the movie that's good enough for I can put in my newsletter, yes, I'll, okay. I'll go again. And so she wrote this thing, and I remember reading it thinking, man, that's good. <laughs> Where did she ever get that word? And then I looked on the critique vocabulary, mm-hmm. you know, the critique thesaurus mm-hmm. that I had given her, and there was the word sinister, you know, <laughs> nice. you know, and then I looked at another one, intensified, like, where does a 12-year-old get a word like this? And then I looked, you know, under plot, intensified, and pretty soon I'm realizing that she used this tool so well that at first I was suspicious, you know, how did she come up with this really good piece of writing? Mm-hmm. 
uh, and then I realized, well, because <laughs> she had the tools, she had the words, she had the option right. uh, to use words that she might not have been able to think of. And I've seen this again and again over the decades. Right. I, I love that your goal when you're teaching children of any age, young and old, that they don't leave your class without a good place to start. You don't want them to have that blank page experience. You don't have want. So when you start teaching this unit nine, you give them a short story and you start creating the keyword outline for characters and setting conflict and then climax, then the conclusion and then the introduction. And they walk out, maybe not with the whole keyword outline fleshed out, but they know what to do. Sure. And, you know, I think it's kind of, in a way, it's really easier to teach writing with the system in a small group mm -hmm. because if you've got a group of people, someone may have an insight that someone else would, wouldn't right. have. Right. But you put that up on the board in a few key words and then someone else, you know, would comment on that insight mm -hmm. and then that would stimulate someone else to think of something they might not have thought of. So you can fill the board with ideas those ideas can settle down where they where they do, mm -hmm. uh, which kids grasp onto which ones. Uh, one of the funny things happened recently. You were there. I uh, was teaching this critique, and I put up a you know like dislike right right on the board. <laughs> okay, so what do you what do you like or dislike about the story? And one kid says, "Well, you know, I like this thing," and uh, another kid says, "Well." I dislike that thing. Right. <laughs> okay, so why do you like it? Why do you dislike it? It was the same thing. Yep. yep. You know, so it got on both uh, sides, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and I think it was, oh, it was the... The, the little... The collision, and, the yeah. rough and tumble yeah. uh, thing, and I like it because of the action. And then another girl says, well, I don't like it because of all the scratching and biting. <laughs> yes. Okay, great. That's, I mean, that's wonderful. So we'll see how that all mm -hmm. comes out, but... Um, yeah, the critique, I think, uh, you know, is very flexible. And, and we might mention, too, uh, that in the teaching, writing, structure, and style, um, we created, I created, uh, because of necessity, and this was outside of what I ever learned from Webster, but a critique of a nonfiction oh, nice. book or article, mm -hmm. uh, which is really more like a Unit 8 Mm -hmm. uh, so you're taking the introduction of Unit 9 with the you know, background information about the book and the publishing and the author and all that, only it's a nonfiction book. So it's not going to have characters and problem and resolution in the same way that a, a narrative story would. It might, mm -hmm. especially if it was you know, some kind of uh, story about a you know, historical Like a biography event, or something. You know. mm -hmm. But – Nonfiction, you can handle it more like an essay mm. where you would say, here were the three most interesting parts of this book or nice. here were the three mm -hmm. most important. Here were the three notable aspects of the mm -hmm. book. And you could write one paragraph about each of those notable ideas. So that would be more like a unit eight and those would be topic paragraphs. Right. That yeah. would be topic paragraphs. Okay. Uh, and then in the conclusion, uh, you could you know restate those three things as you would in an essay, but then you're also adding in, again, your commentary, your analysis, your opinion, your, um, you know, what what you perceive as being the value mm -hmm. of the book. So the nonfiction critique is 
available mm -hmm. in case someone wants to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if you have a good solid foundation of Unit 8, uh, do a fiction critique Unit 9, and then just show here's a hybrid. These are mixed yep. together. Yep. It should work pretty well. Good. Now, uh, we're running out of time, so we're going to wrap this up a little bit. But I do want to mention that in the Teaching, Writing, Structure, and Style Seminar, now, version 2, we expanded it a little bit into response to literature and literary analysis. So what I'd like to do is spend some time with you next week and talking about some more advanced concept that you wouldn't necessarily teach the first year of going through this with your students. Yeah, uh, we could do that. You know, I think it's a little dangerous because people get an idea and they go, oh, I want to jump to that. No, yeah. And we don't, we don't want people nope. you know, leaping too far ahead right. uh, because the syllabus is so well organized to create the skill mm -hmm. upon which the next task yep. can be accomplished well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't, I guess, don't skip units. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Unless you absolutely have to. But right. really, the more I teach this, the more I see how brilliantly it is set up to prepare the students for increasing sophistication, but in a gradual, natural way. Right. And, and I think about, uh, say, the level A students, which for us, that's grades three to five reading level. They may not get to units eight and nine their first year through their first year through the structure and style syllabus. Sure. And that's okay. Yeah. Because maybe you'll get to it next year or the following year. There's time to learn our system and the kids really enjoy the process as well because they know what to do. Right. And, you know, one thing just to mention in closing, people sometimes look at it and say, well, wait a minute, you're teaching the same thing every grade for mm -hmm. years in a row. Mm -hmm. No, you're not. You're using the same tools. Right. Um, you're doing different stories, different articles, different pictures, different research, different critiques, right? You're, you're doing different content, but the fact that you're reinforcing the use of the models and the techniques uh, year after year after year really gives the student a tremendous security and right. mastery. I know that. And then they go off and take some other class or go off to college or whatever, and someone says, you know, write this. They access, you know, that database mm -hmm. of structural models in their mind and say, okay, so I would take this model, tweak it this way, and I could do that assignment for that teacher. Right, right. I love it. Trust the system. When I watch these kids that you've been teaching grow in their writing, I just, sometimes I'm in awe of how well the system works, how, what a great teacher you are. So, again. No, it's how well the system works. <laughs> <laughs> I just try not to screw things up. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. Thank you.